Hello everybody and welcome once again to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingser. In today's podcast, we'll be talking with Alexander Sasher, the co-founder and president of Alice, a hospitality and operation and staff communication platform. We sat down with Alex to talk about tech and hospitality, the broader hotel sector and trends. So tune in and enjoy, folks. It gives me great pleasure to welcome you, Alex, here on the Hospitality Maverick podcast. I don't know if I can say you were flying in from New York. It sounds a bit bombastic, but you definitely traveled in from New York to London and it gave us the opportunity to meet here. Thanks for having me. And I think flying in is fair. We live in New York. We're based in New York, although we're all around the world. And actually, if those of you can already, already tell, I'm from London originally. So this was home for me until about 10 years ago, which is when I went stateside. This is the first time we meet, Alex. We we got a connection or somebody thought we had to meet up and talk about what you guys were doing, but also similar values about how we approach things. And I think there's some great stories we already talked about this morning to be shared with you We out there. So I think you're in for, for a treat today, I'm quite sure. Before we uh, go down to the details and start to talk about what you do as a business, it'd be great to hear a bit more where are you from, Alex, and what happened since uh, a London guy I went over to New York and now lives in New York and run a business over there. I grew up in this amazing city that is London. Actually, my father built hotels. So he was behind the Malmaison and the Hotel Duvan brands. And so I grew up working in them. I spent my summers working in all the departments of a hotel. And then when I when I grew up, I went over to the States and I studied in Philadelphia at University of Pennsylvania, which is where I met my co-founder from Alice. Like most people who go to Penn and the business school there, moved into New York to start a job in banking. Days in a bank, nights and weekends, we started working on Alice on the sides. And so about two days before we started our jobs, we started working on the concept. Uh, at the time, it was not called Alice. It was called Accomplice and before that, Easy Traveler. But after about a year of working nights, weekends and toilet breaks on Alice, I left Goldman and went full-time for Alice, and that was about five years ago. And we've been building a business over the last five years to the point where we are today with around... 2,000 hotels and about 135 people around the world. Wow, that's quite a journey. And it's gone fast, I can see as well, because we'll come into what Alice is in a second, but you you grew your customer base very quickly. I can tell people out there, you've gone from having a couple of hotels suddenly to have 2,000 hotels on your platform. So if I never heard about Alice and was in the hotel business, what is Alice and what does that actually help me with? It's a great question. So we have built... In, in some ways, the first one-stop shop for all hotel operations, all staff workflow and communication, and all guest communication. So it's a technology platform that every department in a hotel can use. Uh, they come in in the morning, they work on Alice, they communicate through Alice, they communicate with their guests through Alice, and so we're tracking for a hotel every single thing they do to look after the guest. And how did you come up with that that was important? What problem are you solving? Because I guess you had a very good job, and then you quit that job to go and solve must be, as you see, a very important problem and something that where you can actually help hoteliers. To be totally honest, we we figured it out as we went. So when we started Alice, the original idea was to build a guest app. And at the time, if you think six years ago, and it's amazing how quickly we've come as an industry in a world, but six years ago was really the time that apps started taking off. And people started doing what we call service on demand through apps. And so in New York, for example, everyone was ordering food through, through Seamless Web, here it's maybe Deliveroo. Uber started growing up and Lyft and, and it's really, you know, everyone wanted to build an app and we were no different. We thought, why don't we build an app for hotels that you could connect your guests and make requests? And that's what we did. We, we set out to do that. We raised funding from even the founders of Seamless Web 
who then sold to Grubhub, what we realized as we were thinking about mobile for the guest is that to build a really good mobile experience for guests, it's not just about making the request. Really, guests had no issues making the request. It was about fulfilling the request. And so imagine if, for example, you're on Uber and you pressed for a car and then Uber sent you a message back saying, great, thank you so much keep looking out your window and maybe some point soon a, a car might arrive. You probably wouldn't use it or wouldn't use it very often. Whereas instead, they connect you immediately to the driver. You get to watch the driver come to you. And so what they're really doing with an app is just connecting you into an infrastructure of service delivery. And so when we wanted to go into hotels and we were launching apps and thinking about how do you connect the guests to the hotel, you need something to connect to. And then as many hoteliers will know, most of their processes are offline. You know, a hotel is a very offline industry, and so there was nothing to connect to. And so we were almost trying to build a guest solution in the absence of a staff infrastructure to support it. And so we had to pivot, and we had to actually realize this and shift into building a staff technology. And so in some ways, our mission has always been to improve the guest experience. Just at first, we thought the best way to do that was to build guest technology. And then we realized, actually, the best way to improve the guest experience was to build staff technology so that they could look after the guest. And it's funny now it comes around full circle because now we've done that. Other guest technologies are starting to integrate into Alice through our API and realize what we had originally set out to do. So what you discovered in that journey is quite interesting because you wanted to do something that was as many, many, many technology has focusing on the either you know workforce, the infrastructure in the business, or they've been focusing on the customers. And actually where you started was to actually to create you know a more smooth customer experience. And that's you often do that to create more sales and better reviews and so on. But what you found out that actually the internal bit that had to support this experience wasn't there it was an offline business and i think in general and when we think about the industry i often call it sometimes and maybe a bit harsh but sometimes we are compared to other industries very slow adapters of technology and actually how we use it in our operation to get excellence in a way and was that the same thing you saw when you went in and saw these customers operations and function and how to deliver this great experience they wanted to achieve yeah, I think Ian Schrager said it best, which is that the the hotel industry, it's almost as if we wish technology did not exist and sat back and watched it happen around us, right? We watched, in some ways, the OTAs and other businesses build what the hotel industry should have built in the first place. And then in other ways, we kind of, hotels got dealt a bad hand because there wasn't really great technology being built for them. Clunky user experiences, very difficult design. And so hotel staff have had very old technology to use. It definitely required a shift into thinking technology forward. And I think that shift is really happening now. You know, when we started Alice, it was a matter of, well, why should I use technology? And now it's really a matter of when and how. And, you know, we realized this the hard way. I mean, we built an app and we had nothing to connect it to. So we put tablets at every department. And because the tablet is not where you do your work, if a guest made a request, it was almost impossible to realize it. You know, if you're a housekeeper, you're cleaning rooms. If you're room service, you're running up and down. You're not on that tablet to manage your own day. And so it's almost a disturbance to your day when a guest makes a request. We realized that to to truly allow for a staff to be technology forward, they needed to do their own work through technology. And then you could allow the guest access to that. You know, we noticed this also because actually when we started launching hotels, one of our first ever hotels was in Fort Lauderdale. I I know many people in the UK might not know Fort Lauderdale, but it's a market that is very elderly. And so we're launching an app and the the staff are almost laughing at us. They're like, this is wonderful, but look around. (laughs) No one's going to use it. And what happened was that we did get usage, but it wasn't from guests. 
It was actually from hotel staff pretending to be guests. And what they were doing, and when we asked them the human question of why are you doing this? Why are you logging into the guest app and making a guest request for a guest? And they were like, well, it's a lot easier. If I do that, I don't have to write it down on a piece of paper. I can't forget about it. And when my shift ends, if I haven't completed it, I can just go home. The next person can come and look at the computer analysis and see what's still outstanding. And so that's when we realized, wow, we should actually probably build new technology that you can just put in the guest request for yourself from staff to staff. And that night, one of our developers built a button on the back end, and that button has become our entire business. So what you're doing more is facilitating communication within that infrastructure that wasn't there before. Absolutely. Our biggest competitor is a radio and pen and paper. That's yeah. very interesting because often, you know, reasons for things not happening in a business, we all know that. And the Harvard did a massive study when it comes to service business where they say 80% of all implementation of new initiatives or day-to-day operation actually fails because of the lack of communication or just bad channels of communication or mm-hmm. information doesn't come from the top and out to the front line so that really can utilize and the same back again because you need that info as a manager to make the right decisions i guess as yeah. well well think about a hotel a hotel's a mini city right yeah. a hotel's not selling one product or one service you have all of these departments that have to work in almost perfect harmony together hmm. to create that that one guest experience because the guest travels through your departments in many ways They interact with housekeeping and maintenance and front desk and concierge. And if you stitch that all together, that that creates one emotional experience for them. Yet none of the communication processes in hotels are built for that. You know, they're working across, as you just said, many different channels of communications. It's email, it's phone, it's in person. There's shifts and it works differently nights and weekends. And so you've got this mini city that needs to come together. When we started, at least, the technology wasn't really built for that. It's very interesting. You're going into attacking an industry, first of all, slow adapters but also very focused on margins, making the P&L run. What value do you add? Because I guess the question you always get is that, how are you going to add value to my P&L? You're going to be a cost sender. So how are you going to double that cost sender to be a benefit? A return on investment is going to be so big, I cannot say no to this solution. It's a great question. We get, we get it all the time. And in fact, I would say the first adopters of Alice were really the innovators. They were the ones who realized that, yes, it's a cost center, but But so is everything else we're doing. I mean, hiring your staff, giving them the tools they need to do their job is almost is part of the role, right? If you're going to hire staff and train them and you're not going to give them the tools they need to do their job today, then what's the point in having them in the first place? Yes, it's a cost center. But then you look at an industry that is the hotel industry. And and unfortunately, and I say this as a hotelier and as someone who loves hotels, I think we're failing. I think we're failing to deliver good hospitality today. And, and the numbers back that up. Our customer satisfaction ranking as an industry is 78 out of 100. Petrol stations have higher satisfaction ranking. And that's because the definition of what it means to deliver good hospitality today has shifted, right? The definition has shifted because of consumer technology, because Uber knows your name when you get in the car and Domino's p- delivers pizza with transparency. And yet you walk into a hotel, no one knows your name. They can't really give you any transparency or control into your experience. Yes, it's a cost center, but at the end of the day, we'd like to consider it a necessary one, right? You're already doing all this. Why not do it better? Why not look after your guests better? Why not understand what your guest is doing with you, right? We're so focused on the booking and so focused on the P&L at the end. There's the whole period in between, which is actually when your guest is with you, that is your business. That's why they stay with you. It's not because they had a great booking experience or they paid their bill. Everything in between is, is the actual experience, and that's where you create your loyalty. I know that's a very soft answer to saying an ROI because it's very difficult to prove efficiencies, right? And so some hotels want to see, well, before Alice, I had three technologies, now I have one, great, I'm saving money there. 
And that's really good if you had those three technologies. But to us, it's more about how do you ensure you're delivering great service? How do you understand your guests better? And then how can you use that to create a repeat and loyal guest? And I guess the, the, the devil's advocate would say that uh, how am I going to make my staff use this as well? One thing is, you know, consumers are very adaptable on technology if it's added value or convenience in their life. You mentioned, you know, uh, Deliveroo and so on and Uber taxis. That's, that's something where it's convenience thing. You're buying time, I often yeah. say. So how, how do you get the, the staff to get engaged with, with this product? Because we had a little talk about when you arrived, how do we implement tech and make it sticky? That's a challenge for whatever you're going to implement in operation. That's my experience. It's not only tech. It's a general thing. I actually gave a talk on this a few years ago because most software in the world is underutilized. It's not just hotels, especially enterprise software. You know, for us, we, we do a few things. First of all, from our side, we have to make sure the design and the user experience is extremely intuitive. Right, A lot of software is underutilized because of poor design. And so our design team almost imagine could you use Alice if you were blind drunk? I really don't suggest hoteliers should drink on the job. But the idea is that could you use Alice if you're blind drunk? And then that's from our side. And then the other side is can we set you up properly? And so actually everyone from Alice who goes and sets up hotels, they come from hotels. We hire front office managers who are used to implementing technology to, and we send them into our hotels because then they can empathize with the people they're training. And then what they try to do is they identify internal champions. And it's usually not the general manager. It's usually not the decision maker. Because often in enterprise software, in any industry, the decision maker is not actually the user. They're just signing the paper. They agree that this would benefit their hotel if successfully implemented. Because at the end of the day, software is just software and the difference is how a hotel uses it. We try to find those users who are really going to be the drivers of change. I almost tell general managers, don't give us your, your manager. Give us your aspiring managers. Give us the, the younger front office agent who wants to become front office manager one day. And then have them have Alice as part of their responsibility. Because at the end of the day, technology is almost replacing what would have been 10 years ago, just a different hire. So if you hire someone, you're going to manage them. You're going to train them. They're going to have performance reviews. Why not give technology the same? You're hiring us. Give us performance reviews. Give us a manager. And that way you actually take over and own the technology you're running and you have a much better chance of actually it being successful. When you look at your platform, there's a number of different things the platform can do. And you already yes. mentioned a couple of them. Would the typical uh, hotel operation go in and launch all of them? Or would they say there's some core specific that really is relevant for our business? Or would you help them identify where where the big gaps are and opportunities are for them? At the end of the day, we have multiple modules, but in at its core, we have really two bases. We have the front of house and your back of house, right? So your front of house would be your concierge, your front desk, your guest experience tools, and your back of house will be your service delivery, your efficiency, your maintenance tools. Usually a hotel's coming to us for one or the other. About 85% of our hotels realize that we do both and walk away with both. So they'll come to us because they wanted to solve a problem. We help them solve that problem and realize that we can actually help them solve a much bigger problem. And then they'll walk away with the whole suite that we call Alice. So if you have your front of house or your back of house, and you can do that modular, and so we do do that, and we can talk about you know, our acquisition of Go Concierge and, and that side of the world, but usually they walk away with both. And if, if not, they'll start with one. Typically, we've done a really good job of supporting our hotels. Uh, they like working with us and then they'll grow into the other side as well. How quickly do they adapt to all these modules? I guess, again, if you want to get the employee on this journey, do you then release them 
quickly after each other or you do you do it as they get very efficient to utilize that bit of the tech because i totally agree with you we advise on tech sometimes and what we see is they had five different things and they haven't utilized any of them yeah and therefore they're not getting the results they want because they're not using them properly alice is meant to be simple to use our hotels usually when we arrive on property it's already set up because we've worked with the champions to set it up we do one day of training and the second day we go live with coaching because really coaching is what's needed for example yesterday the guest calls down to the front desk and says i need someone to deliver towels to my room so front desk is going to go into a radio radio housekeeping manager the housekeeping manager is going to send the houseman they're going to deliver towels Right, we need to be there and coach them for a second and say, don't do that. Just you're in Alice, add guest request, towels, room 202, and we'll send it directly to the houseman. They'll get it on an iPod touch. They'll start the job. They'll finish the job. So we're not changing anything they're doing, just how they're communicating it. How quickly do they ad- adapt to that? Is that getting the app and then they almost intuitive know how to, what to do? Because many people intuitive know what to do when they see things. Yeah. I mean, when you got your first iPhone, there was no user guide, was yeah. there? I would say about a month is when we really start seeing usage level out. So they're live the second day and you know within the first 30 days, you start seeing it ramp up a bit. People are training others, managers are changing the processes. They look at it and they say, okay, change these words, change these workflows, change these escalations, and then they're good. Is there any of your, your clients you can mention where you can tell a bit about what that journey going with Alice has done for them and how they have improved their operations? in a way yeah of course from the full suite side you know, we're working with in new york city with hotels that many people recognize like the dream hotel group they'll use us for the entire suite so before alice they'll have had many different silos of communication a few different a housekeeping technology a concierge technology and nothing connecting them and then through alice everyone's trained on alice and so they'll be able to now have everyone on the same page every single housekeeping request maintenance request preventative maintenance and then they actually use our api and our guest messaging So now that they have all their staff on Alice, their guests can access it too. And so their guests will get a text before they arrive. So we pull the information out of the PMS. We send an automated text to their guests before they arrive saying, this is the dream. We look forward to welcoming you tomorrow. Would you like to let us know what time you're arriving so we could try to have your room ready for you? The guest responds with what time they're arriving. Now that message can go straight to housekeeping. Housekeeping know what time they're arriving. The concierge can use that message to say, would you like a car or transportation from the airport? So all these departments are stitching together to create that guest experience. And then in the room, they have technology like tablets and they have a Google Home. And so that's through our API using a company called Valara. They speak to Alice as well. So now the guest doesn't need to take out a phone and text. They can actually speak to the room. We can translate their request into a service request. And so everything's connected from the guest in room to the guest pre-arrival and on their own phone to the front desk and concierge who has stood behind a computer, to the housekeeping and maintenance who are on a device and are looking after the guest. What is the vision with uh, Alice? Where, where are you going to go? Because you're already now, you mentioned New York, you're in the US, you are in London and other European places. And, and, and I think you mentioned when we started out this morning that you are you're going global in a way. So, so, yeah. so how big is the business? Where are you operating? We've been doing it five years, but really only the year and a half, last year and a half is where we've really hit that. You know, propulsion because it takes a few years to build the foundation we've built quite a big piece of tech i look back about a year and a half ago when we started ours we raised a seed round we raised a series a and then for our b we did something quite different we actually instead of going out and raising what would have probably been around a 15 million dollar round to and, and the, the point of a series b if you're not in startups you know you do your seed you do series a and then your series b and you might have said to investors 
okay, if you give us 15 million, we'll try to grow by a thousand hotels, we'll try to become profitable, and you continue that story. We actually saw an opportunity to accelerate that because one of our biggest competitors was up for sale on the market and they were Go Concierge. And so instead of raising the 15 million, we raised slightly more and we ended up acquiring one of our competitors. And what they did is they did concierge-only technology. So they were one of those department-specific siloed systems. Amazing technology for the concierge. They'd spent 17 years becoming the world leader and they had about 1,000 hotels around the world providing just the concierge side of the business. And so after acquiring them and working with their team, what we've done is we've moved, and it's in the process of finishing that, moved all of their customers from Go Concierge into Alice Concierge. So they acquired building what we call parity so that Alice Concierge has the same functionality as Go Concierge. And we're moving all of their customers onto Alice Concierge and we're sunsetting Go Concierge so that we'll have everyone on the same platform. So with that, with our own organic growth, we've kind of in the last year and a half gone from having about 300 hotels and 40 people to now about 2,000 hotels and 135 people. And we're hiring another 30 people. And so it's been amazing to see if you've been at Alice for four years, five years, three years, it's, it's almost crazy what's happened in the last year and a half. And it's been really inspiring and it's, it's been really fun. And now, which is your question, what is the vision? Well, we'd like to keep going and we'd like to keep building the operations platform for an industry that doesn't have one. And so this year, if, if last year was the year of concierge, this year is the year of housekeeping. We are spending hours and hours and hours with housekeeping departments, with housekeeping managers, understanding how do you assign rooms? Why does it take two to three hours in the morning to figure out who's going to be in which rooms? How do you react in real time when VIPs arrive and rooms don't check out or do check out? How can you clean rooms quicker? It's a huge cost center for hotel housekeeping. So, you know, even small things like should two housekeepers work together on a room? I mean, if you made a bed and I, I, I forget if you're married, I'm married. If I make my bed, great. It's a lot quicker when I make it with my wife than when I make it alone. Yet housekeeping works in, in one housekeeper at a time in a room. So those types of questions. And so that will complete our platform. That will mean we work with every department. And then after that, what we'd like to think about is how do all those departments connect together? How does AI play in? How do rules play in? Let's say for every input, what are the outputs? And what I mean by that very physically is, let's say a concierge books dinner. Why doesn't housekeeping know to turn down the room at that time? Let's say we have messaging. Hotels and our analysts are starting to message their guests saying, would you like to opt out of housekeeping? And in turn, we'll give you loyalty points. If they don't have to clean the room, they save money. Not every guest needs their room cleaned every day. A group doesn't book a hotel. Should they change what they're ordering in food? All of these things can be connected to make a hotel better in industry and make them more profitable and make them look after their guests better, yet none of them really are right now. Well, we often come in in operations as a, like a surface understanding of things. There's nobody really asking the why, 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 what happens when you do that? No A-B testing of things, like having all these great mythologies and ways of doing like you have to do when you develop tech because you sometimes don't know where it goes. But like taking these frameworks from other industries into the hospitality and restaurant industry and actually trying to ask some of these deeper questions because that's often where all the efficiencies are when you keep on asking why, why, why and follow the movement of people and what happens in that. I think that's a very interesting approach and you're actually investing that and you're having a, a focus area for each year I can hear 
you said you was concierge last year and I was housekeeping. It's a very interesting way. And I think there's there's a lot of business, not only in restaurant hospitality, you can learn a lot about that, you know, really understand how they, they move things within their business. Yeah, best way to do that is not through Alice. The best way to do that is to allow your staff to do that. You know, at the end of the day, it's the people who are there every day that see this. And if you give them the autonomy yeah. and the purpose to do it, they're going to change your business. Yeah. I imagine that, you know, general managers are really busy, but... I can imagine how powerful your front office staff, your back of house staff, your aspiring managers could be in changing your entire business. Yeah, you have to give them permission to operate. I often say, yes. and for people out there that want to go more into that subject, there's a great book out there called "Turn Around the Ship." Have a read in that, then you will understand it better. So, growing a business in that speed and thereby a culture could come from the hotel world. Have you taken anything into that when you grew this business, even though it's a tech business? Actually, our first value at Alice is be hospitable. And it seems obvious, but remember, we're working with Eastern European developers. And so what does it mean for them to be hospitable too? And so so at Alice, that's actually the most fun I've had is building the company. I love the industry. I speak a lot, but actually most of my satisfaction comes from building our team and how we work together. And so we've done some quirky and some fun things to do that. So for example, we started a book club. Before you think of it as any book club, like you might have been part of with your parents, our book club was built around this idea of collective learning. So we took the approach in building Alice that humbly, everything we're doing has been solved. There's nothing unique about Alice. And what I mean by that, this is true of every company in the world, including yours, is that you have to hire people. You have to sell things. You have to build product. You have to look after customers. All of these principles have been figured out before. And so our book club took the form of we would read a book as a group that fit a problem we were trying to solve as the company. So, for example, we needed to hire lots of people. So we read a book called Who on hiring. Obviously, assume not everyone's going to have time to read the book. A lot do, but you have to come to the session. And the first half of the session is, if you weren't able to read the book, here's what you missed. And the second half of the session, which is the most important half and the most impactful half, is from that, what do you want to apply to how we build Alice? And so our hiring process is built off a book called Who. So if anyone applies for a job at Alice, read Who, you'll have a very successful hiring process. Our sales process is Crossing the Chasm and Sandler. We read Good to Great, Essentialism. And then we wrote about this in, in TechCrunch and a lot of the authors saw it and they reached out to us and they started offering to speak at Alice. And so we started a speaker series. And so we started this culture of learning. It created a vernacular that only big companies have. It, you know, we throw out red flags because that's what Pixar do does when we start seeing things that maybe we should talk about. And it created this culture of collective learning as a company. And then from that, we created a set of values and we kind of just really wanted to build a company that people liked working for because at the end of the day if people like working for us i think that will spill over into our customers liking working with us and i can proudly say as a result that in the last six years i've only ever had three people leave alice and that's rare and that kind of turnover by the way is a huge cost saving as well it saves us it gives people context we've got a team that's been here for a long time and and that resonates with our customers now and i guess also it makes it easier when you have to go out and attract new people because that's a very positive story i would say that's probably an insane or even in tech i guess that's that's really good if you talk about turnover rate in hospitality and hotels we talk maybe 40 when it goes really well and 120 when it's really bad or even more especially in london is anything that could be applied to you know the industry as well for operators and you see it i really truly believe you see it in the boutique hotels because they have that almost small company focus on their staff. It's from a book called Drive, one of our books, Daniel Pinkham, which is people are not driven by money. And I'll get to that in a second. That there's a baseline there. People are driven by autonomy, mastery, and purpose, right? So first, if you pay people fairly, that takes money out of the equation. 
And then you need to give people autonomy, which is the ability to, to do the job, to take you know, their own control of the job, mastery so they can become experts in the job. And I think hotels do a good job of that. If you think about promotions in hotels, there's always upward mobility. They always look from within. And then maybe the hardest one, which is purpose. Like how aligned are you to what the brand is trying to do, what the mission of the hotel is, which is maybe very difficult if you think about the back of house and a very repetitive job. But if you can solve that, then you're going to have a great culture and a very aligned workforce, and that will feed through to your guests. And so at Alice, for example, we don't do bonuses, and a lot of people will get surprised by that. But a lot of our team came from finance where they have a bonus culture, and they saw it ruin companies, ruin people. They'd work for extra hard one month of the year. It turned into an I versus a we culture, and so, you know, for us, we took that away, except for sales. It's really hard to hire good salespeople without sales commissions, even though we fought that for a while. For everyone else, and we, you know, we believe pay them fairly, give them equity in the company, and then they're part of that company. They're part of that ownership culture, which is another value of us. So I think hotels can absolutely achieve that. You know, I think hotels can absolutely create autonomy, mastery, and purpose, you know, go off script, as we talked about a second ago, and let their staff look after their guests in ways they see fit. So what you're saying as well is what we, we preach as well here at Hospitality Murray is actually give that front line the empowerment to do the job, actually make it autonomous, as you say. Absolutely. But also give them a very good idea why they're here. Because often there's great stories within these businesses, but we're so busy in this industry, busy in putting out fire, the founders suddenly forget to tell that story. Mm-hmm. And your business as it grow becomes faceless, I often call it. So, so why I'm employed here, I can go and work for that other hotel over there or that restaurant over there. It's a, it's the same pay and it's just something new or maybe I get that promotion I was looking for but often if that, that not that purpose as well and also the last thing where actually many complicated they call the employee experience and stuff like that but actually just make work work give them the tools to do your work so you can come to work do a good job you can be become you can master it or mastery as you said be, be an expert in it and then when you you go home and come back next day it still works you know if it's the tools or the way we communicate that's what the basically is about and often it's complicated with you know you mentioned bonus and benefits and i agree that that can probably take behavior to a, an extent you don't want to see because then yeah it starts to become about something else than the wider company's success and we actually did a study in january on what makes frustrated guests and the number one response was quite surprising it was unfriendly staff mm. and why that was surprising is i have you you've worked in hotels hoteliers are the most friendly most hospitable people you'll ever meet yeah so how is it that unfriendly staff is the number one detractor from a guest experience and, and it's simply i believe is and we'll do the second piece of the research soon is it's simply we're not giving them the tools they need to be successful so they want to deliver great hospitality they're not able to, and that that's frustrating for anyone if you can't do your job. And and it was interesting. We said also before with um, the boutique hotels that often go this way. They're smaller hotels. They maybe one, two. They're not massive chains, but they actually have that ability to 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 implement that. And we had two here in the podcast: Andrew from the the Grand in Brighton, and then we had Adam from the Dorchin House Hotel here in London. Both big hotels, but they're not part of a chain. And 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 you could just, when you go in these places, you can just feel that the staff has the autonomy to do things. And and then the, these things going on, you can see they almost un- got from the staff, this needs to happen for this guest now. That's what this is a great experience in a way. You can see how they're dealing from the restaurant to the rooms, how to do the individual things. Do you think this way of operating can be scaled into the, the larger hotel chains? Can they adapt some of these practices? Because they, of course, have to be aware of costs and they don't have the same you know overheads per room. 
here as well? Yeah, it's a good question. Scale it always creates challenges in anything you do. One of the groups we just recently started working with in London is, is Firmdale Hotels, right? They're not 90 hotels, they're about 11. And they have it. It's just in, it's done in the hiring. It's done in giving, in setting the rules and setting the mission of the company, which is look after our guests, figure out how to look after them and do that as a human. And they're incredibly service-oriented and I think they're one of the best hotels you stay in the world. And so when I look at bigger hotels, what, I mean, maybe you looked at what Kimpton was like uh, and you, you know, as it went through the, the acquisition of IHG, but I, I don't see why big companies can't do that. I think they can. I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's probably led by your management team and the managers you have at each property and bring them together and train them on that. And then that can be achieved. Yes, because very interesting when you start to implement principles. We talked about Good to Great, which is a book we love here at Hospitality Mavericks as well, and we operate a lot by, and start talking about these principles and let the management discuss about how do we actually get this to live in the business. You'll be surprised about the knowledge they have about actually doing this, where you thought it was like something you couldn't bring to live in your business because they wouldn't know. They absolutely know to bring these things to life and they are so hungry for talking about it. that's my my experience as well when you start talking with management team about that and that's often what we bring in as well how can you actually take some of these you know sound like maybe a bit fluffy concept but actually when you start to talk about how does that actually come to life in your business in, in critical actions in the way you hire the way you give pay raises how you promote things and all like that so coming back to, to alice have you then from a management point of view with this philosophy do you have a a lot of managers or do you have a, a low layer of management or what, 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 is, what is your approach to this? Because as you grow a business like that, I guess when you go global, you need more capabilities. So we're pretty flat. Anyone can, can pretty much do anything in ours. Uh, we're a small, nimble organization. We're only 135 people. But I, I definitely am concerned about that always, or you have to be. If not, you're not going to grow. And so actually in January, we brought in a speaker, a very good speaker called Dr. Brian Williams. And he was the global head of training for Ritz-Carlton for 15 years. Unbelievable, unbelievable hospitality professional. The reason we brought him in is he gave a speech on acting like you own it. And at every level, you can act like an owner, right? A manager can't stop you from you know, walking through the lobby and seeing a piece of paper on the floor and not picking it up. That's not what a manager's is. A manager's job is to help you develop professionally in your career. And so you need managers because then they can show you the skills and help you grow yourself into that next level. But it's not about cracking the whip. It's not about overseeing the job. I think if you hire people who are internally motivated, give them really good feedback and then you know let them grow from that. I think they can do a good job. You don't need management in place. You know, we're pretty flat. I think we have about six levels in our hierarchy. And it's really about just getting good information out so that I can't speak to 135 people every day, right? And so we empower our managers to empower our employees to act like they're in it. And often I think there's a lot to be learned from that as well, from you know a, a challenging industry and bottom line results getting harder and harder to hit is actually stop holding on to that power in the management layers, actually start to actually to give that information out so they can operate with it. And actually maybe you don't need all those management layers because sometimes they just create you know conflicts, politics that wasn't actually necessary for the yeah. first day. I mean, I'm not going to pretend I'm something I'm not. I'm 29 years old. Hmm. You know, I've only had two managers in my life. Hmm. right? So I would consider myself a pretty inexperienced manager. Yeah. I've got some much better managers around me at ours. Yeah, a lot of people like to hold on to their power. I think that's also true in the hotel industry. I think you see a lot of hoteliers who are very power-driven, and that's what they grew up in. They grew up waiting for it to be their turn, yeah. and now it's their turn, and the world's asking them to change 
their mindset to being bottom up, not top down. Yeah. And it's like a bit unfair. Well, yeah. it's my turn. But if you have that mentality, you're not going to be successful. The world has gone on. And often I, I take the evolution of industries of the world. And I think that a lot of companies have gone on and operate in a more empowering way. But the industry as a whole sometimes are a bit stuck in the industrial mindset mm-hmm. of how to managing workforce and general the business and how we approach things. We, we're very clever at finding ways. When we're in problems, we'll find ways and survive. But we never actually start thinking out of the box. How are we going to actually move into the next paradigm of how to operate? and lead and manage our businesses. The All thing, about changing mindset, right? Yeah, exactly. Change is one of the harder things, easy to talk about, but always starts with you as an individual. Where do you see the industry going? Because especially in the UK, the US, and Australia as well, I know that the very big continent, there's been some talk about things not going that well. And uh, obviously in the UK, we have political situation around that. We're not going to dive into that. That actually spice that up as well. But in general, we are hit right now what I call the perfect storm. Not enough staff, rising cost, tech we need to, to adapt and be part of. We've already talked a lot about here on the podcast. And then you have the economic environment as well. Where do you see the industry is heading the next five years? And it looks, for many people when they talk about it, it can become a bit dark. I don't think so. I think, look, we'll speak to the technology side because that's, that's what we know. There are going to be better people who can speak to everyone about finance and economics. I think we have seen a lot of incredible change in the hotel industry. Yes, it was reactive. Yes, it was looking at Airbnb and alternative accommodation and realizing that, holy shit, change is needed. But since then, I think the hotel industry has done a really good job. You see all these types of new hotel products, right, from Equinox Hotels opening up a hotel that's built around lifestyle and gyms to to even West Elm around furniture. You're starting to see hotels diversify their portfolios, offer some, I see hotel groups offering apartments. We we work with Nordic Choice in, in the Nordics. They're one of the largest apartment owners in, in the country because they recognize that, yes, you might travel to them for business, but what if then you want to take a holiday with your family? That hotel might not be the right fit. What if we could give you the same in an apartment with the same services? So I think our hotels is expanding, and I think technology is allowing that. And it's all coming through a shift. And so we often tell a story around Domino's Pizza. And we tell the story because sometimes it's easy to look at these new examples and say, well, they didn't exist before so it's so easy for them to adopt technology because they didn't exist before they didn't have all the processes it's a lot easier for the disruptors to come in and it leaves the incumbents difficult but there are a lot of stories of incumbent businesses for example like the times who went online right to show you that you can do technology and so domino's pizza was a company that was doing phenomenally well right in the 1999 one of the first companies in the world that let you order pizza online went public, I think, in 2004. I mean, literally off to the races. But then really only three years later, they were struggling. Their share price had gone down to $2. The pizza tasted stale. And they brought in a new CEO. And what that CEO did, he revolutionized the whole company. But what he did is he didn't change much about Domino's. What he simply changed was their mindset. And he asked them, what business are we in? And at the time, those who worked at Domino's thought they were in the pizza making business. And he helped them realize, actually, we're not in the pizza making business but we're in the pizza delivery business. And that one shift from making to delivery changed their entire mindset. Because when you think about delivery, you start thinking about how you purchase it, how you eat it, what the wait time's like, how it's delivered, who delivers it. And while pizza making hasn't changed that much through technology, the actual delivery has, right? How you order, how it's delivered, all of that has changed. And so we try to help our hoteliers realize 
that as they see themselves in the future, try to think a little bit less about the bed business. You're not in the bed selling business, but what does the delivery of service look like for you? And what is the delivery of that experience? How are your guests interacting with you? How are you delivering them the services? How are your services connecting? And that will change your entire mindset. And that can only be really achieved through technology. And then I think you have a very bright future, right? If you think about even Amazon, Amazon don't really change what we buy in the world. It's not what we say about Amazon. It's not the products they sell. It's how they deliver it, right? When we think about FedEx versus the Royal Mail, with one, you get to track your, your package all the way through. With the other, you put a, a letter in a box and hope to God it arrives. And if it doesn't, good luck finding it. And so when we think about the hotel industry, we think it's a very bright future. There are tons of new products coming online every year. People still love hotels, love staying in them. Of all the jobs in the future that are being replaced by robotics, I think one in five jobs will be created by the travel industry. It's a human industry. People are there to welcome you. Humans deliver hospitality. They just need a good technology foundation underneath them to allow them to do that. So what you're saying is that we are in a maturity phase in a way to adapt to the, the new world order in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. So why is the name Alice, actually? Because I was thinking, I wanted to, to cover that before we end the, the conversation. Yeah. People here are probably thinking, who the fuck is Alice after the 1970s <laughs> show or song? When we started Alice, we realized we were giving people a technology that would be like a person, right? So we wanted to humanize it. And so we looked into all these service names. And Alice was the housekeeper from The Brady Bunch, which was a popular show in America. Her job was to make the whole family run on time, right? She kept the family organized. She helped them operate as a family. And so when we said Alice, I think a friend of ours literally that minute said, a life-improving customer experience. So there was our name, there was our acronym, and we loved it. It stuck. Oh, that's a very, that's a very good, very good uh, angle on it. Is there anything in Alice that is uh, on the roadmap where you can talk about saying this is the next big feature or improvement you're going to do with the product in, in to help the industry come out of this you know challenging era it is in right now? With all I just said about technology, what guests really want is to feel recognized and personalized. If a hotel business wants to thrive, it wants to become less of a commodity. It wants to become differentiated. And the way to do that is to recognize your guests, right? Right now, I think... It's very easy to use Alice to do that, but it takes a lot of initiative. If I'm a manager on a hotel that's using Alice, I can look into Alice and I can see, I can look up my guests and I can see what did they do yesterday? What did they complain about? Where are they eating dinner? Did we book them shows? Did they ask for housekeeping? Do they want extra pillows? But it takes a lot of my own initiative to do that. I think once we finish housekeeping, we'll have the whole platform. Every interaction with the guests will run through Alice. And then we're going to build a profile on top that will help you do that. So here's what you should know about your guest. And here's what we've seen them do with you. Here's what you've done well with them. Here's what you've done poorly. So that you can just recognize them, personalize that conversation. It's not less simple than simply going up to them saying, hey, I saw you had dinner last night at Chaconi's. How, how was it? Mm -hmm. Did you have a good experience? Is there somewhere else we can recommend similar to you? They feel recognized. And that little piece of personalization, I think, can really help hoteliers recognize their guests and guests feel a little bit more like they're at home. And it's quite interesting because uh, recently we had Camilla Sitwell on the podcast. She just wrote a book that's called Bespoke. It's about the hotel and restaurant industry, about personalization, about mm -hmm. that we actually need to embrace this change that they have because people want bespoke drinks, bespoke food 
bespoke hotel experience, bespoke pillows and stuff like that. So as he wrote this book about how do you actually take your business on that journey, there's a mind shift change again. Coming back to your domino example, it's a great example about suddenly we are not in, you know, just in the bed business. We are in the experience business. That will change dramatically about mm-hmm. what, what you're about in a way. And she mentioned the same, that there's such a need for an industry and such an opportunity for revenue growth because you can only save as much. I normally call squeeze the lemon. You can only squeeze so much as you can because then your operations start to die or your business dies so what you can boost is actually your top line and you can do that actually by taking a totally different approach to the experience I think you're spot on with that and that fits really well in with Camilla Preach as well and what we believe in as well it's not about actually always trying to save cost in difficult times you need to stop the cost running but then you need to what do I spend my money on to create the thing that guest really cares about and you know the personal experience is like that's probably and the individual bespoke solutions are probably the way forward well then you can start thinking about repeat and lifetime value yeah. right so now it's not just squeezing that lemon out of one trip but mm. stitching together multiple trips and today your guests sell to your other guests so if i had a great experience at your, at your hotel i'm going to tell my family and my friends and they're going to come back so now my lifetime value is even higher and and personalization can be simple people overthink it sometimes Coca-Cola ran a, a campaign in 2015, if you remember it, where they put people's names on Coke cans. Yeah. And what followed was one of the most viral personalization campaigns ever built, where I think there was something like 500,000 photos shared of people's names. And if you had sat back and at a bar and we'd said, what is the dumbest personalization program we could ever come up with? We might have said, let's take our logo out of our cans and put random names on that we have no idea who's buying. And it turned out to be a huge success. And so I... I think personalization can start really small, can start really simple, and it can work extraordinarily well. Yeah, I agree. We often talk with our our clients and uh, we preach it's all about also facts, make decisions, business decisions, people decisions on facts. And I guess we didn't touch on that when we talked about Alex before, but I guess Alex can help you as well getting a much better picture of what's going on in your organization as well than the behaviors that's leading to the either right results or wrong results yeah and it's not meant to be sales pitch analysis like anyone can do this any any technology has the ability because it's on technology that it's reportable so you can go in and look at what are the facts what did take place yesterday what has this guest done with us who which of my staff are delivering quicker which are delivering slower you know are we getting a lot of the same complaints are we getting different complaints and the same of alice anything we do if it's not provable if you can't actually define what success looks like and then prove it through a quantifiable metric, then you're not going to be able to improve. And I often say it's like you can't see if you're winning the game in a way. And then often it's understanding what actually drives those results because often we look at either sales or the bottom line of the P&L or different cost centers, but they all, you know, they are lack indicators that we talk and you're right about here they're not the lead indicator they're not the behavior that creates them so really understanding what is the the behavior i need to create to have a positive impact on every line in my PL is starting to look at its data in a different way but also when it doesn't look nice face the facts as good as the great say face the brutal facts and change things around that because it often probably comes back to human behavior happening in in your organization and the human behavior that's in an organization is at the end of the day you as a manager's responsibility of reflection of what you do or, or don't do. And back to your culture question, which yeah. is on the positive side, when the facts look really good, are you able to recognize the staff members who made that happen? Because that's what drives people, recognition. Yeah, And so the facts can be used for both the negative and the positive. And I think often also, yeah, we, we also forget when things goes really well to try to say, what, what 
how did we get here? Why did it go that well? What was the, the element? What are the small things that actually moved this away? Because always there's a slight edge, the small things that happens again and again and again to create that consistency in your business. We call it the power of consistency, the small things you do on everyday basic to create a great result. And you often, you don't stop up and think about, oh, we have success, let's do another one, let's open more. But why did you have success? Do you really understand that before you copy it on? And I think not only looking at what goes wrong when you look at data, but actually also trying to understand how are we actually doing well and why are we doing well? Before we end the podcast, we always ask the guests to give one single advice to the industry, industry leaders out there. What would your advice be? And you, you can put on the tech hat if you want to do that. I think everyone needs to think a little bit about moving our industry online. Well, one of the only industries that a lot of it's offline I mean, even most of the staff we encounter don't have email addresses for the business. And I get email addresses are expensive. Them That in some ways might make sense. But if we're not online, then we can't actually embrace any changes that are going to happen in the guest experience through technology. And the guest side is moving so fast, if you think about it, right? I guess expectations are going so fast. And so we're still at a point where we're asking as an industry, how do we put our infrastructure online? so that we can embrace that change. So sometimes we're always chasing the next shiny toy, which is how do we allow guests to WhatsApp us? Or how do we allow guests to use Alexa? And those are great, and those are hugely useful, but they're only as good as your actual delivery on, on what they're doing. If a guest is asking you questions, you actually have to deliver answers. You know, Guests aren't WhatsApping you because they're lonely. They need something. And so unless you can deliver on that, then there's no point having it in the first place. And that requires your, your actual industry to move online. So whether it's through Alice or any of the other platforms out there, you've got to start thinking about moving away from radios and pen and paper and sticky notes and checklists and moving on to software that is on the cloud that achieves the same thing, but then allows you to connect to the guests, or then allows you to look at the facts, then allows you to have a culture of technology in the, in the hotel. Because much like every other industry, we're now in a technology and business. We're a technology and hotel business. And those who accept that, and those who embrace that will probably do a lot better than those who don't. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. It's, it's also taking technology in as it's just part of the business. It's not something you bulk on. It's part of the way we, we, we do things. And I think you, you, you're right again. We had it earlier in the conversation as well where you, you where we talked about the, the importance of actually, actually embracing not only what happens on the customer side, also on the employee side, because they also consume on a day-to-day basis. So they, they need these tools to do their work and make work work was one of the key things we talked about when we talk engagement or motivation or feeling great about where you work. Thank you very much, Alex, for coming. It has been a pleasure to talk with you and I'm sure we're going to catch up in the, in, the, in the future as well as things evolve with Alice and so on. So thank you very much for coming today uh, all the way from New York. Thank you for having me. I love coming to London. I'm a huge Arsenal fan. I get to see two games this weekend, so it's great. But no, thank you for listening and you know, if anyone has any follow-up questions, we're always happy to answer. Our website's aliceplatform.com, so it's easy to find us. And uh, we'd love to work with you, or if you're looking for a job, we'd like to work with you. Good. We will throw some uh, links and stuff in the podcast uh, so you can find it afterward. But thank you again, Alex. Thank you, Alex, for sharing your story and insights on tech in hospitality. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate, review, like, and share. Big thank you to Let's Talk Video Production for helping us making these podcasts possible. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast with me, Michael Tingser. Tune in next time for another industry interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.